Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. In episode 100, we discuss the highs and lows of TNT's Champions League coverage, how money is polluting the sport we love, FIFA is up to some crazy ideas once again, and which cable company is increasing their rates. And we have a bunch of letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, 100 episodes um, since we've, we've changed the format of the show. Now, if, if you went back um, from the first podcast we did uh, on, as World Sock Talk, well, it would have been EPL Talk back then in 2006. We're probably, we, we have to be over 1,000 episodes uh, at least Maybe even two thousand. It's 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 a huge number, but uh, one hundred and the new format. And I don't know about you, Kartik. I mean, the old format was good in terms of the Premier League previews and reviews, but uh, I really enjoy this one. Yeah, I do too. And and uh, quite honestly, uh, for those of you who might be newer to us, you can go back in our vault and listen to some interviews that are still. Um, Timely. They're not necessarily time-sensitive interviews that we did between 2006 and 2010 or so when that was the format of our show. So uh, we've evolved with the times, but we still have a lot of good stuff historically uh, that listeners might want to listen to uh, between, from between 2006 and 2010. And heck, if you want to reminisce about certain week, uh, match days and weeks in the Premier League, you can l- listen to those shows as well. Yeah, the interviews. I, I really enjoyed doing those. Um, they ran their course in terms of, I mean, there's only so many people you can interview. And the, the idea that we had was that we would interview just one person once and, and that was it. And yeah. we'd go on. But we had um, John Terry uh, that Richard Farley did, uh, Paul Scholes that uh, Kartik, you did, uh, David Villa that I did. I mean, some, some, and also, of course, uh, commentators, Martin Tyler. Uh, Toby Charles. I mean, there's some, there's some. The Toby Charles one still stands a test test of time, but there's some really, really good interviews for those wanting to go back uh, and listen to thousands of episodes rather than just uh, the last 100. All right, Kartik. So from this past week, there's been a lot of soccer. I, I, I don't know about you, but I've watched uh, probably more soccer this past week than in, in a few weeks. And uh, what for do, what for you stood out? Was there one match that uh, was your your favorite? Oh boy, there was a, there were a lot of good matches. You know, I I, I kind of it, it 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 got a bad rap, but I kind of did enjoy the Atleti Barcelona match. But I would have to see if there was a match that stood out for me. It was probably the Lazio Milan match. I thought that was the best played match I watched this week. Uh, that was a, a match that was on ESPN News at an odd time. I think it was a, about at noon or, or twelve twelve o five something like that on on uh, Sunday. And I ended up watching the whole thing. It was a very, very good match with a depleted Milan team. I thought both goals were quite good, even though um, the Milan goal took a, a deflection. Uh, Suso played a beautiful ball over the top to set that. 
that up. And then on the Lazio side, um, they, they were creating a lot of pressure, a lot of chances. Milan with a depleted back line. Uh, Zapata eventually made a mistake, which led to the Lazio equalizer. Um, Mark Donaldson and uh, Matteo Benetti is a commentary team now getting more and more comfortable with one another. I think they're both very good. I've been a big fan of Benetti's work when he was at BN, uh, but he didn't necessarily have the chemistry and cadence down with, with Donaldson the first few weeks of the Serie A season. We're now three or four, three three plus months into the start of the season, and they they certainly have it down. And I thought this was a just a good match to watch and a good match to listen to the commentators in. Yeah, for me, it had to be uh, the PSG Liverpool match. Uh, really, just a I mean, just a emotional game. Just kind of uh, both teams going at it. Um, it, it was just a really entertaining match to watch. The other one I would, I would say that was a close call to that was surprisingly Huddersfield against Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, on Sunday. And this was a match I was thinking going into this uh, that Wolves would, would run the show. They, they would control the match, control the tempo, control the possession. And it was the opposite. And, and, and for those listeners, myself included, that have pretty much uh, written Huddersfield off, they played amazingly Kartik. they just in terms of their possession uh the playing the one twos i mean throughout the entire game thoroughly deserved that the two nil victory in this match and looked really really good looked like they were a mid-table side yeah i have to say there's been a lot of lazy punditry about huddersfield and understanding how david wagner wants his team to play and how they've played at times in the championship now he's very pragmatic and to get out of that division at the end particularly in the playoffs that year they they kind of uh, retreated and tried to play quite defensively. However, Wagner is a believer, and he's a Jurgen Klopp disciple, keep in mind, uh, former U.S. international as well, I should point out. Um, he is a believer that in order to um, defend, sometimes you have to press high and maintain possession in uh, in the other uh, side's half, whether you're attacking or not. So uh, that is his core management fundamental principle that I think has been forgotten as we've seen just Huddersfield because of their lack of quality get shelled at times. But um, if they're on the front foot, if they get an early goal, like they got from Moy in this match, they they can dictate tempo and di- dictate um, midfield play against teams that are not quite at the level of, of a Manchester city or a Spurs. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I I'm a little bit surprised, but I'm not shocked by uh, that result and uh, what you're saying about how Huddersfield performed. Let's move on to Champions League, Kartik. Uh, another week of Turner and Univision broadcasting this uh, fantastic tournament. This was a week that many soccer fans in the U.S. finally seemed to have enough, to give, almost given up uh, with TNT, uh, only broadcasting one match on TV during each TV uh, t- uh, window. I mean, they've done this all season long, so it's no surprises. But this one was particularly uh, aggravating for a lot of soccer fans out there. On Wednesday, especially when you had PSG against Liverpool, PSV against Barcelona, Spurs against Inter, and many, many other matches all at the same time. So it gave TNT and Turner um, a difficult challenge to figure out which game to put on. Uh, They put on Spurs against Inter. Partly, probably because this has probably had the the, the most riding on this game. Yes, PSG against Liverpool was a, I I mean, the the first leg was a very entertaining game. But um, Liverpool, even if they lost this game, which they did, um, could still go through. uh, While the Spurs inter game, Spurs really had to win this match to have any chance of going through. uh, I mean, they've still got a ways to go. But overall, I can see why Turner did make this decision. At the same time, I can see why soccer fans in the U.S. 
were upset, and and they're upset because there's less choice available on television. Uh, as we know, as most of our listeners know too, and most of the games, well, actually all the games, but the majority games are going to be on Bleach Report Live, or you can switch to Univision uh, or watch on Univision streaming uh, platform. What what was your take, Kartik? Did you sense this week more than others that uh, there was kind of a lot of upset uh, fans on social media? I don't know. I wasn't really on social media during the game, so I'm not really sure. I, I actually enjoyed Turner's. I didn't see any of Wednesday. I, let me preface everything by saying that. Uh, and uh, 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 had it, uh, had Bleacher Report live at my desk watching Liverpool PSG, so I missed all the other excitement. And I realized that game was not on TNT. It was on Univision Deportes, though. Um, and Univision. Or on Unimas. Unimas yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I thought Tuesday the discussion – uh, before the early game uh, from noon to one was pretty good in the studio. I, and uh, this isn't a shot of Kate Abdo, uh, but maybe Stuart Holden uh, being a former player just didn't want to get into any, any of the nonsense that uh, is usually happens in that studio. But I think maybe it had less to do with Abdo's absence and more to do with um, them all being in co-located right in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Howard is making stronger points. Let me, let, let me, let me just jump in there, Kartik. Kate Abdo, I like a lot. I mean, she's a smart woman. She knows the game. She's I mean, multilingual. She, she's she's a, a good presenter. But I didn't miss her this week, Kartik. I mean, she was out sick. I didn't at all. I, I, yeah. And I thought it was tighter. I thought it was tighter having those guys uh, on the set in, in one studio. Uh, it, it, it was better overall. So, I mean, that's something for uh, Turner to consider. But then again... I'm sure there's going to be weeks where, I mean, it might be Kate's in the studio and Stuart Holden isn't. But, um, but yeah, right, I, I, yeah. I, I, th- I thought it was much, much better, much, much tighter, and it flowed better. There was no awkward switches from one studio to the other. And at the end yeah. of the day, you got more analysis. You got more analysis tighter without having to switch, and you lose, like, say, 10 or 20 seconds with kind of the, the transition. But, but going back to what you were saying about uh, Tim Howard... Yeah, I thought Tim Howard was making better uh, and tighter points about um, the action, the actual action on the uh, on the pitch in in the Tuesday pregame, Tuesday halftime uh, of the first match, uh, the Ajax match, and then uh, onward uh, to the post game on um, Tuesday evening. I thought I thought he had a really good. Um, uh, Really good Tuesday. Uh, Moadu is is yeah, he doesn't make as many strong points, but it, it seems like uh, with three other guys in the studio with him, he's um, some of his yeah, he's gotten better. And I, I thought Holden was fine as a presenter, and, and Nash made some pretty good points. So I thought it was tighter. Um, I do think though this issue of what game they show, what match they show, is a big one because um, I, I think from the second they announced Inter versus. Uh, uh, Spurs, uh, Spurs intermatch. Instead of uh, PSG Liverpool, there were questions asked. Was that a, a decision to try and push people towards streaming, towards buying the Game Pass, which would be two ninety nine a game? Mm-hmm. If you're not a Bleacher uh, BR Live subscriber, uh, there were a lot of concerns about BR Live after last week weekend's. Uh, I know you don't follow golf, but the debacle yeah. uh, from the coverage of the match where they've had to refund a bunch of money to people. Um, so there's been a lot of concern about that and um, them not showing these matches. And it seems like because they have put uh, themselves in this box, Chris, where they are only showing um, one match at the, at because let, let's face it, the early matches generally don't have your, your high profile uh, game. So, right. Yeah. So they're showing one match per window, um, 
per day. So two matches in the in the prime windows on a given match day, there is going to be this problem. And unless they change that, it doesn't matter how good their ancillary coverage is. It doesn't matter how good their studio shows are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how good the other things they do around their coverage are. They are going to get complaints because there is a certain expectation after the number of gay matches Fox provided uh, over the year, even if um, – uh, their coverage wasn't very good, and I think TNT's coverage is better. I, at this point, after oh, yeah. this week, I'm going to say they're much better. Miles better. Uh, I know Miles, Miles better. better. Yeah, so, but this concern is about the number of games they're showing. So yeah. this is something that Turner has to address. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting business model, and and it's still early days. And I'm sure Turner's still looking at the numbers, going, okay, is this working? And and right now, they're they're the only ones that know if it's working or not in terms of Bleacher Report Live. Uh, they're not sharing the number of subscribers. They're not sharing the number of any 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 metrics coming out of there. So maybe the strategy is working. Maybe it's forcing people that want to watch Liverpool against PSG to switch to BR Live and watch it through there, or. Maybe it's Univision that, that's actually benefiting from this. And Univision and Univision Deportes Network is getting a lot more views. Or Fubo and Sling. Or Fubo and sling, sling, right, exactly. Benefiting. So, so, it's, um, so the strategy, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. I mean, in the interview we did with uh, Travis Remke a couple of weeks ago, he did say that um, there could be a possibility that uh, they, there will be more games on television. So that was... Uh, kind of a possibility uh he didn't rule it out he didn't say okay it's it's uh, tnt all season long no matter what we're sticking to that so that that's maybe some wiggle room there um but at the end of the day it's essentially the, the television product on tnt is uh, kind of a, a sweetener an appetizer uh, kind of a, a gateway drug to try to encourage people to go ahead and sign up for br live to get the full experience and whether or not that works again We'll have to wait and see. Maybe Turner changes their mind next season. But at this point in time, that's the strategy that they've gone with. And even with the Europa League, every single game except for the final on BR Live. So that's the way to go. Now, is that is that strategy ahead of its time? Um, I mean, we, we've talked about BR Live having issues uh, going back to the match. But even Tuesday's broadcast, too, the first five minutes of all the games in the Champions League, there was a message that popped up that said they were having technical difficulties. And after minute five, it was fine and it was, it was all good. Wednesday seemed to be fine too. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But the coverage, Kartik, is much, much better. I mean, you can tell that Turner is putting a lot of uh, time and preparation into this. Even Tuesday, just as one example, on Tuesday pre-match, we had a really good segment about... Um, on the pre-match analysis about Bonucci's passing ability. And they, yeah. they focused in on that. They showed some clips, uh, and they just talked about that. And that was really kind of talking about a, a player that perhaps you don't uh, hear as much about because you're always you mean, hearing about whether it's Ronaldo or Dybala or whoever it is. But Bonucci was a, a good segment. They also had a segment where they had Stu Holden and Steve Nash trying to imitate Cristiano Ronaldo's goal against Man United. Uh, which I, I enjoyed. To me, it shows the, yeah. how, how difficult the pass is and the strike. And that was something, whether it's for new fans or old fans, something we can take away from that and go, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's actually good to actually show that, just to show how, how challenging that is. This will show the kind of open minds that you and I have because they teased that segment. And I thought, oh, gosh, this is going to be another stupid thing. Uh, This was on the 12 o'clock Eastern Time pregame. It was the first show of the week on Turner. Uh, They come back after the commercial on TNT. They come back after the commercial. And I was 
I was actually captivated. I, I took the same reaction as you, Chris. My gosh, this shows the level of difficulty and skill Ronaldo has. And this is the most demonstrative way you can do it. Um, see, but this is the difference between them and Fox. So Fox, I think, would just kind of throw together their production at the last minute for the Champions League. Now, granted, they have other um, – things in this sport they're covering in the interim. Um, and in the case of TNT, this is the only soccer they cover. So they had three weeks from the last match day to essentially put together a segment like that, throw Nash and, and uh, Holden out on a, on a pitch and, uh, and, and tape that. So it, it also helps. And this is something we say about NBC a lot. It also helps when you have one soccer property you're focusing on. And I think that segment demonstrated that to us because because we could say, oh, well, we never got something that insightful from Fox, which is true. But part of it is Fox would have had the Bundesliga two days earlier to cover. They would have had MLS two days earlier. They would have had internationals the previous week to cover. So um, it kind of helps when you have a network that doesn't have that level of commitment to other uh, soccer properties. Yeah, and one more thing about Tuesday pre-match was that they had the one-on-one interview with uh, Lukaku, which I thought was really good too because it was uh, more of a not, – not, not about the football so much, but more about the, the individual and uh, kind of opened uh, Lukaku up. And then right after that interview, uh, the panel had a discussion about what Lukaku was really meaning when he was saying certain things, like, like reading between the lines about whether or not uh, he's a fan of Mourinho's style. And, and, that right. was, and that was enlightening, too. So, so to, to me, the actual coverage, the pre-match, halftime, post-match, it's, it's on song. It's, you mean, it's not at an NBC level, but it's actually in some ways it's probably better than NBC, but they've got more liberty to have more time to, to have more different discussions. It, it's up there. I, I really enjoy the coverage. And, I, and then that's why I led off in the beginning, too. I think the biggest complaint that people are having about uh, Turner Sports is not about the coverage, but it's about the accessibility to the games. And the accessibility to the games, if you're willing to do streaming, you've got everything. And it's 10 bucks a month. I mean, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, but for those people who want to watch the games on television or who I mean, don't have good Wi-Fi or, or just want to stick to watching it on television, that's where the issue is. And, and, that's, a, and that's a big issue. And, and it's something that I think as times are changing, as people are moving more and more to streaming, um, those complaints may become less and less as, as time goes on. But uh, that could be, I mean, at the end of this right cycle, I mean, two and a half years from now. Yeah, certainly. So the other thing, Kartik, from this past week, I mean, I saw uh, a lot of games, uh, Liga Mackies games, championship games, uh, more Premier League matches, uh, more Champions League matches, etc. The one thing that was, it, it was incredible to watch, uh, sad to see, but was River Boca. And this was the game yeah. that was on Saturday. I was traveling back from Orlando, and uh, I, I knew I would have missed the first half. So I got, got home, switched on the television, switched on uh, Fox Deportes, getting ready for the second half. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking on the screen, I'm like, wait a second, the game's not play- being played. There's, there's got to be something that happened. And I could not stop watching this broadcast. It was like a Spanish telenovela. It was in terms of the drama, uh, everything that was happening, showing kind of the clips of the, the bus being smashed up, which, which was horrible. But uh, the reaction kind of uh, in the stadium with, with the players, um, feeling, you mean, feeling the pains and feeling kind of being, uh, whether it was the tear gas or just, just the shock. Uh, I mean, it was, it was like watching a movie. 
uh, in terms of it, the way that it developed and, and whether the game was going to be on, whether the game was going to be off, and, the, and just the discussion. And even though, again, I don't speak Spanish, I don't understand Spanish, I, I must have had this on for about probably two to three hours, uh, just watching, seeing the develop, developments of what happened. Uh, just riveted to this this entire broadcast and uh, upset that the game was going to be postponed, um, especially making the fans wait more than three hours in the stadium for the decision to be made. But just really kind of watching this and and then uh, and then same thing again on s- Sunday, tuning in, thinking, okay, the game's going to be played, and and again the game was not played, and um, just just an amazing, weird, strange weekend. Um, sad to see, but. Um, Television-wise, it was it was must-see television. Now, Kartik, uh, did you watch this one? I uh, I tuned them both out when I knew that the uh, the matches were postponed. So, um, or you know, postponed on Saturday, on Sunday, essentially uh, shelved uh, for two weekends while we figure out. Um, what's going to happen, whether it's uh, played in Paraguay or Doha or, or wherever, or whether Boca plays at all, right? That's that's right. still up in the air. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I mean, I, I tuned into a lot of the coverage in the written press, but I did not. Once I knew the match wasn't taking place, I shut it off uh, on Saturday. And, and, and Sunday, I never turned it on once I realized that the match wasn't taking place. Yeah, and we'll get more into the news segment about what happens next with this game. But uh, yeah, it was, um, even though the game was not played, it was just... Uh, it was fascinating television, just watching this unfold. It just really was. Um, Kartik, what about you? Any other, th- other matches that stood out for you uh, this past week? Matches, no. But what did stand out for me is an uh, amount of advertising I saw for other soccer and for zone over the weekend. So starting on um, Friday with the Leverkusen-Stuttgart game on, on FS1 uh, or on FS2, I, I saw a lot of ads for Major League Soccer for, for the Sporting Kansas City-Portland Timbers match on Sunday night. Um, then you get to the weekend on NBC, and um, DAZN now is uh, advertising during um, – the the, the, uh, the the matches and then also even bought a block in one of the matches. I think it was the Spurs uh, Chelsea match or no no it was the City West Ham match where they they were sponsoring the uh, the score bug in the corner uh, during NBC's broadcast. The Zone has gotten much more aggressive about their advertising. I've noticed in the last week uh, in the United States and they're making moves abroad now. Uh, Brazil is another place where another market they're entering. Um, so that was uh, really. Um, Really interesting. I did not see a single DAZN ad uh, watching college football or college basketball on ESPN all weekend, but I saw uh, them constantly on NBC, and I saw a few on TNT on uh, on Tuesday, I want to say, whether those were yeah. placed by cable companies or those well, were direct ads with TNT. That's that's the thing, though, too, Kartik. I, I, I mean, listeners can definitely let, let us know, but part of me thinks that um, it might be Fubo. So Fubo has a dynamically uh, a dynamic ad engine. So as we w- were watching commercials, um, it may not be the same commercials that uh, are on uh, kind of uh, linear television. Um, sometimes Fubo will have inserting their own commercials in there, or they will be selling their own commercial spots. So the DAZN ones, same as you, Kartik, whether it was NBC or whether it was TNT, all weekend long. I mean, all, I mean, but I watched over the air, though. Oh, okay. So, I, yeah, okay. so they, right. were, so they were on television on TNT. And as I said, they sponsored the scorebook on NBC. For they did. One, That's true. One of the That's matches. true. Yeah. So they're, they're aggressively advertising. They're not placing ads on ESPN, which 
if he, uh, we don't need to get into it, but that makes sense <laughs> right. uh, why that wouldn't be happening. Speaking of ESPN, I wanted to mention there was an incredible amount of advertising for their MLS Cup playoff match between Atlanta and New York. I know MLS fans like to complain that the league doesn't get promoted. ESPN ran ads beginning during the Mississippi State Ole Miss Egg Bowl match on Thursday night throughout the weekend on college football. And I, I watched some college basketball games on ESPN as well. Uh, Tennessee, Kansas, there was an MLS Cup uh, playoffs ad. So they ran ads aggressively during their college sporting properties mm-hmm. uh, for that match. Part of it might be the appeal of Atlanta to college sports fans, Atlanta United. Uh, but when we get into the television ratings uh, segment, we'll talk about whether that worked or not. But there was an incredible – I've never seen so many ads for MLS, honestly, as I did this weekend on ESPN. That's good news. Good news. And also, yeah, I, I even saw a Champions League ad on TBS uh, during, I think, on Thanksgiving or around about then uh, for during, – During a movie? I, I think it's just during, during a regular broadcast, so it, it might have been probably a TV series or something like that, but either a movie wow. or TV series uh, for BR Live and, and TNT's broadcast of the Champions League. So uh, it's good. It's good Good to see that, Kartik, that, that uh, these uh, broadcasters are promoting their soccer properties. Um, hopefully we'll get more and more viewers. And like, like Kartik said, we'll get to that in a little bit in the TV ratings segment. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, so I, I think everybody saw this over the weekend that FIFA is considering a proposal to stage the World Cup every two years. Tom Nabal has proposed this. Um, FIFA is exploring the possibility of staging the World Cup every two years rather than every four. Um, Alejandro Dominguez, uh, the president of Tom Nabal, confirmed. All right, Kartik, let's move on to the next item. And, that, and that's talking about the uh, River Plate Boca Juniors uh, Copa Libertadores final second leg, which opened up a, a whole bunch of different questions because of this game and, and what happened uh, after it. So as we talked about in the first segment, uh, the game was postponed due to uh, fan violence and uh, the Boca Juniors uh, bus getting smashed up to pieces and uh, a player getting injured. Uh, tear gas, the effects of tear gas on the players. So Boca Juniors um, and River Plate decided to go ahead and cancel the game, play it on Sunday. And then Sunday, um, Boca Juniors said that they, they still weren't ready to play. They were still feeling the after effects of uh, the tear gas, etc. So then the question became, okay, so if where do we go next? Do we play the game in Argentina or do we play the game overseas? There was discussion about Miami as a possible destination, um, and uh, also I think Paraguay, and and the latest is Doha. It looks like Doha is going to be the destination for this uh, second leg of the game. Um, Doha allegedly offering millions and millions of dollars uh, to to replace and Boca Juniors to go ahead and have this uh, game played in Doha, and um, yeah, at the end of the day, can't I, I mean, for me personally. Um, I don't feel good about this because what happened was really something that was just unfortunate in terms of the violence that happened. Uh, but to me, like, why, why can't this game be played in, at the Estadio Monumental uh, with increased security? Um, only the home fans are allowed in the stadium. But uh, I mean, find a way to get the, the players into the stadium safely and play the game. But what it seems to be, Kartik, to me at least, is that this has turned into a cash cow. I think I think both uh, River and Boca looking at this going in, in terms of the the kind of the expectations and, and of how big this game is that now all of a sudden you've got uh, whether it's Miami or whether it's Doha or whether it's Paraguay uh, I think even Italy I think one of the clubs in Italy offered you mean millions and millions of dollars for these teams to go ahead and play the game overseas uh, and to me it, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth because now it's turned into 
you mean a basically money grabbing exercise, um, or so, so it seems. So I think at first on Monday when Condoval announced they were going to move the match out of Buenos Aires, uh, the second leg, we thought, okay, well, I guess there's a reason for it, even though I I tend to agree with their sentiments that they should just uh, let things calm down, increase security, and play it. Um, But then by Monday night – I think we realized this was becoming like a, a an absolute bidding war uh, for a one-off match that um, uh, was going to line the coffers of the the Spanish con- of excuse me of the Latin American Confederation, the South American Confederation, a confederation which um, already has been in and out of uh, trouble in the last five years in yeah, uh, turmoil in terms of corruption. So. Uh, and then to see Doha and Dubai emerge as potential destinations now at Doha, uh, if they played it in Asuncion, if they played it in Paraguay, I think we would probably accept it, even though we're still thinking, okay, maybe uh, it could have been played uh, in, uh, in, in Buenos Aires. But um, this is just another indictment of where football is going in general, along with so many other things happening in, in the sport at this, at this time. Yeah, the, the shame of this, Kartik, is that this was m- the, the most highly ante- anticipated Copa Libertadores game, probably ever, final ever. I mean, he had River Boca, the f- a really great, entertaining first leg, 2-2, and everything going into the second leg. So it's putting the Copa Libertadores in a good light, Conmebol in a good light, River Boca in a good light, globally. I mean, a lot of people were tuning in to watch this game. And then this happened, which has the opposite effect, which then makes... Uh, uh, Conmebol and the Copa Libertadores look like a second-rate uh, organization. Uh, a lot of questions about River and Boca. And to me, this is a huge opportunity for those two teams and the Copa Libertadores uh, to really gain a new audience. And it, and it could have been a lot of English-language viewers, too, tuning in to see what, what this whole thing was about. Um, and as, basically, on, on those lines... You had Fox Deportes, who has uh, the Spanish language rights in the United States. Uh, the question came up on social media, okay, well, who has the English language rights to this? And why wasn't this game shown in English language? Well, Fox Sports has the rights in both English and Spanish. Uh, they haven't televised uh, any of the tournaments in English. It's all been in, in Spanish. This second leg would be a great opportunity for Fox Sports to maybe put the game on FS1 or FS2 or you mean one of the English channels so that we can actually get to see this. Um, I mean, for those who don't have Fox supporters, um, so that that was a question that came up, and and hopefully, hopefully Fox Sports will show it. Um, the other the other thing I was thinking about too is with DAZN spending so much money on advertising, and also as we reported in last week's uh, episode, uh, rumors about them offering lots of money to the different broadcasters out there whether or not Fox Sports would want to sub-license this uh, game in English uh, to someone like DAZN so they could actually stream this one-time event. Um, th- that could be a possibility too. Yeah, it would be a great entry uh, for DAZN into the soccer market. They're trying, uh, but this would be a, a great one-off, with less risk than, uh, than taking on a sub-license of a, of a league in Europe, for example. But, but, but that's the other thing, though, Kartik, about this, about the future, then, of the TV rights, because the TV rights for Copa Libertadores are up at the end of this month, in, in December uh, 2018, and uh, they're up for bidding. Um, but if I'm a broadcaster and I'm thinking, hey, well, should I go ahead and bid on Copa Libertadores? But then having seen this disaster and having seen what a mess this is, I mean, two games cancels, the third game has to be played in the next um, next week or so. 
um, somewhere. We don't know where it's going to be yet. It seems to be very disorganized. Even even the game itself, the game on the Saturday, they said, okay, right, uh, the, the game was going to be off. Then it was on. Then it was off. I mean, it, it, just in, in the space of basically a couple of hours, there was, you mean, nobody knew if the game was going to be played or not. Even Sunday, Sunday, all the fans, 70,000 fans show up at the stadium. They're all in the stadium waiting. They hear that the game is going to be, uh, call, uh, going to be on. Then a little bit later, they, they hear, and they actually have the trainer on the pitch, putting the cones down, getting ready for warm-ups. The fans started singing and chanting. And then all of a sudden, they're told that, okay, no, the game is going to be uh, postponed. Just, just, a, just a not a good look for uh, Conmebol and not a good look for Copa Libertadores. And if I'm a broadcaster, I'm going to be putting, thinking about that. Okay, and does that devalue the, the actual price of, of these rights? Because you can't guarantee that this whole thing is going to be organized in, in, a, in a way where the game's going to be shown. I mean, that's the thing about the Champions League or the Premier League is that you can set your, your, your watch to it. You know exactly what time the game's going to uh, be played. Yeah, and, and kick off at that precise moment. You don't get this kind of drama, this uh, telenovela, which is interesting to watch, but as a neutral. But if I'm a broadcaster, you mean, I'm, I'm upset because you mean, I've put a lot of resources into broadcasting this match only for it not, not, not to have played. Those of us who watch a lot of Major League Soccer are used to, uh, and U.S. men's national team are used to matches not kicking off when they're scheduled to. (laughs) So it's like a it's a European uh, league thing where if if the kickoff time is advertised is 3.30 local time, like it is in the Bundesliga. The matches kick off at 3.30. Right. Uh, again, uh, there was a lot of confusion when the Atlanta-New York game was going to kick off on ESPN on Sunday. It ended up kicking off around 5.22 Eastern time uh, when it was advertised at 5 o'clock. So um, I'm used to those frustrations, yeah. unfortunately. I, I don't like that. To, to me, it's, it's... I don't either. It's a little bit trickery. It's kind of just trying to get you to tune in to the pre-match. And, I mean, it's... Um, I, I don't like it at all. I mean, it's, to me, it always rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, okay, if you say the, kick, the match is kicking off at five, kick off at five. You mean, and sometimes there, there could be things happening as far as maybe a broadcast running late. Um, I, that I understand. But um, <sighs> all right, Kartik, let's move on to the next news item. Yeah, uh, Stu Holden and Steve Nash heading to Spain next uh, match day to call the Barcelona Spurs match from uh, the Camp Nou. Uh, Holden and Nash will be doing the pre-match, halftime, and post-match from from the stadium, as well as uh, live commentary of the game. So it'll be their first experience doing this. Uh, And Holden, as the lead commentator, been the co-commentator even for a World Cup final, he's never, to my knowledge, been the lead commentator, but he auditioned pretty well in the studio, uh, for my liking, on on Tuesday and Wednesday this week with Turner. Uh, This is going to be interesting. This is the first time uh, they've done this, and this shows uh, a commitment level that, quite honestly, Fox did not have at the very end uh, with the Champions League. Wow, or even the beginning. It got worse at the end, but uh, even right, the right. But this one will be interesting too because it probably means that the Spurs Barcelona game will be the one that's on television. Although it hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's, it's probably very likely that that match will be the uh, the TV broadcast on TNT. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Um, on to other news. Uh, IMG has agreed a new three-year deal with the Premier League for global in-flight and cruise ship media rights, which will once again include live coverage on both uh, Sport 24 and Sport 24 Extra, the company's 24-7 sports channel. 
uh, the new agreement, which covers the 2019 to 2020 season, plus all the way through to the 2021-22 season, takes the relationship with the Premier League for in-flight and cruise ship rights for 20 years, uh, while also reaching the decade mark for Sport 24, which launched in 2012. From personal experience, Kartik, when I've gone on a cruise ship, um, you mean in, in the Caribbean, um, Sport 24, I'm, I'm like, even though I'm on vacation, I'm like hooked on it. Uh, it's a great channel, shows a lot of the Premier League uh, coverage, uh, Premier League television coverage, uh, shows the matches. And um, for those who do go on a, a cruise or go on a kind of a, a long flight, uh, if you see that you have Sport 24, tune in because you'll be able to watch a ton and ton of soccer. And now with the Premier League all the way through to 2022, um, that's, that's, that's good news. And then, Kartik, one more news item before we move on. Yeah, so Comcast is raising its bills again. Even if you're under contract, even if you're an existing Comcast subscriber, you're going to pay $2 more for your broadcast package. You're going to pay $1.50 more for your additional sports pack per month. Uh, this is uh, uh, due in large part, Comcast claims to um, increase uh, – less subscribers but what it probably does chris let's be honest about it is creates an even greater problem where they're going to need uh to raise rates again if that's the rationale because more people will cut the court all right let's move on to tv ratings so so Kartik, in that first segment you asked the question and said uh with all the advertising on television that mls has been doing on on espn well espn advertising the mls game between atlanta and uh, new york red bulls on Sunday, uh, hoping that people would tune in. What's your reaction on the number, and did that strategy work? Uh, 334,000, I think, is is decent, given what we've seen for MLS playoff matches. Uh, but I don't know that the strategy worked, because I would have preferred to have seen something in the 400 or, 400s or 500s, given it was a Sunday at 5 o'clock. Uh, but I don't, think, I don't think it backfired. I don't think the rating, the number is by any uh, means embarrassing. Uh, but uh, there, uh, there were uh, just four numbers all around for, for soccer this weekend. I mean, one thing that stood out for me, Chris, and maybe this is because we're in South Florida and we see the amount of advertising BN is doing, particularly while they're under the gun with these uh, with, with, with uh, being dropped by cable providers and satellite providers is only 100,000 for Atleti Barca on the English channel of BN. That's uh, that is much lower than it would have been a year ago. And I, I think it's less than half of what it would have been a year ago. So in addition to the fact that they've lost about half their uh television subscribers i think they're they're just losing in general uh awareness and and recognition with that number really frightens me that hundred thousand yeah for me i have a different take on that and, and that is that uh, usually the numbers on the english language side uh, versus the spanish language side on being sports the spanish language side is usually two to three times greater so even though we don't have the number of the being sports in espanol number for the atleti barcelona game I would um, guesstimate it would be probably between two to 300,000 people watching that on, on that channel. So combined with English, you've got uh, an audience of approximately 400,000 people tuning, tuning into Atleti against Barcelona, which is greater than most of the Premier League matches, uh, greater than the MLS match that's on ESPN. Um, so to me, that could be a positive. But again, we don't know what that number is, so it's hard to say. But based on from the last several years, what we've seen with those games is that the, the Spanish language is two to three times greater. So overall, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, we'll have all the numbers. So from Major League Soccer, uh, the Premier League, La Liga, uh, etc., uh, Liga Mekis, 
uh, on the worldsoccertalk.com website uh, in the next 24 hours so you can see the full uh, list of how your game or how your club or how your league did against the other ones. Moving on to listener mailbag, Kartik, and, and some of our best content recently has come from you, the listeners. Uh, you guys rock. Uh, definitely keep on coming with the uh, the feedback. We really appreciate it. And if it, if it always, if you can, try to keep them as brief as possible. So uh, don't go into kind of a, a whole dissertation. The briefer, the better. But uh, we definitely value your feedback. Uh, the first up is uh, Tom Save the Crew. He says, MLS is hurting the national team, uh, same as in years gone by, um, just like how the Scottish Premier League hurt the national team, as did the English Premier League. The top teams are bringing in foreign players and concentrating less on bringing in young American talent. In response to Chris saying more weekday games was good for MLS from a business TV standpoint, and this is coming from somebody who watches the majority of games on TV because I can't travel to uh, Columbia. Uh, Columbia every other week. Uh, I think it means Columbus every every week. Maybe soccer is a, a spectator spectator sport, not a TV show. Stop hurting the fans who spend their hard earned money to go to games. And and, and Kartik, I, I get his uh, his kind of his analysis there too. I mean, he's obviously a crew fan who likes to go into go into the games. Probably has a good experience going to those weekend matches. And now, all of a sudden, looking at 2019, it looks very likely that there'll be a lot more weekday matches, or weeknight matches, which are more difficult to get to. It, it depends, at the end of the day, what Major League Soccer wants to be. Does it want to be a TV property? Does it want to be a, a TV league? Or does it want to be a uh, kind of a, an attendance, kind of a, a supporter-based league? And um, as of today, it's definitely focused on the supporters. The average attendances, uh, even though it's depending what numbers you look at, are pretty decent. Um, but from the TV perspective, we know that uh, definitely there's a, there's a huge opportunity to grow there. And that's why MLS is making these changes or getting ready to hopefully propose these change, changes and, and pass them to make them more into a TV league. But I, I can understand uh, Tom's point of view in terms of, you mean, for the, the local fan uh, or the fan in that area, it's definitely going to hurt them. Now, next up is... Uh, Ritik, and he says, uh, hey guys, I started listening to the podcast a few months ago and I love it. I'm glad that Kartik asked the La Liga executive if they would consider bringing in matches involving teams other than the two super clubs, Barcelona and Real Madrid, to the States. Even though I watch English football every week, I have a soft spot for Valencia, even though I can't watch them through being sports. Having a Sevilla uh, Real Betis or Valencia Villarreal derby would be great to those like myself who appreciate competitive clubs that are not the same old Barca and Madrid that everyone else knows and follows. I also hope that Fox or ESPN will carry the next TV rights so we can finally see over-the-air La Liga games. Thanks so much. What's your thoughts on that, Kartik? Yeah, it would be uh, it would be great if they were some uh, some somebody else other than Real Madrid and Barcelona brought to the States if they do these games. Again, going back to the first comment uh, by Tom Save the Crew, I... Um, 
I, I, I still believe football is a spectator sport, and I have a fundamental disagreement with moving matches out of uh, home grounds to some other location because some fan base that's not really connected to those clubs. They might think they are, but they're not really connected to those clubs in a way that a hardcore local supporter would be is wants to spend more money to see game matches. But if we are going to go down that road, which it appears we are, then I would like to see clubs like Valencia, which I think would have an appeal to the American uh, audience because of their supporters culture Valencia's supporters culture is much more robust than Real Madrid or uh, Barcelona from my perspective that people can disagree with me on that but I think Valencia is a really cool club uh, but to, to expose those sorts of clubs to the American market would be neat if we're going to go down that road yeah I think uh, part of it though to Kartik is is what does it mean to have a local club so for example in South Florida in the Miami area uh, to me, I mean, there's no Major League Soccer team yet in business. Uh, there will be one probably in the next uh, year to two years. But I- I'm looking at Real Madrid, and I'm, I'm looking at Real Madrid. Real Madrid has more of a connection with Miami than any Major League Soccer club has. So in the past, say, five years, Real Madrid's probably been here four times, uh, have played several friendlies, ICC games, etc. So if you're a Real Madrid fan, you have more of a connection to that club as your, as your local club, in quotation marks, uh, because they've, they've been there. You've seen them. How many Major League Soccer teams have played in Miami in the past four or five years, whether friendlies or, 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 I mean, or, or games or pickup yeah, games? Yeah, but, but again, I mean, this is, this is part of the elitism of some fans. It has to be a first division club. Now, I know we don't have Pro-Rel in the United States, but there, there is a local club everywhere in the United States you can go and, and go to matches for every single place. Name a place, I'll find you a club. Uh, now, they're not MLS clubs, so maybe they don't meet your standard, which means you kind of want – and this is, this is the thing also. I mean, people – People uh, rave about the Premier League, but in by and large, they support the top five or six clubs in that league. I mean, you don't see many uh, Swansea supporters like you or, or Huddersfield supporters running around. So I think it's I think people want to have their cake and eat it, too, when they have make this argument about, oh, well, we want to see the best and we want an MLS club. Well, uh, you have local you have local football, you have local football, even in, in places like Boise and, and Topeka and Wichita. But what about what, your local club? But Kartik, what, about, what if you if you live in Boston and you live in Boston and you look at your local club and you go, this club's a mess. New England Revolutions. There's there's been no investment in this. They they played at an NFL stadium. Uh, the team is pretty bad. I mean, there's very little. I mean, the fan base is it's it's not it's it's existence. But um, I mean, what what do you say for, to people in Boston? Do you do you go support your team even if they suck? I mean, and you have no choice. I mean, that's the only club that you, you have to support. No, there are other clubs in Boston. There's clubs in Fall River. There are clubs in Providence. There, 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 there are football clubs everywhere. It's like in the UK, someone saying, hey, you can't support Huddersfield. You have to support Leeds because it's only 20 miles away and it's a bigger club. Yeah, but who would you support uh, in Boston if, if you don't support the revolution? Yeah, you can support Boston City which is uh, an NPSL club that has actually gone to Brazil and played matches in Brazil and has, has uh, brought in some I- interesting players. Uh, you have that option, and there are, there are other local clubs in that market as well. Yeah. There are local clubs everywhere in this country, and it's the same thing as in the U. It would be like saying, well, if you're in Manchester, greater Manchester, you can't be a Bolton fan or you can't be an Oldham Athletic fan. You can't be a Bury fan. You have to support Manchester United or Manchester City because that's the top level. 
fans in Europe do not have that mentality. It, part of the problem is the American fan being exposed, I think, to um, sport, not just football, but sports in general as a TV property and saying, well, I have to I have to support the best. So that's uh, I think that's part of the mentality. That's the problem. I, I don't think it's that, though, Kartika. I mean, to me, it's uh it's what you're attracted to. And it's not necessarily the best. So we've, I think in last week's podcast, there was somebody that mentioned that they're a Grimsby Town supporter. And uh, for whatever reason, that person has a connection to Grimsby, even though he or she lives in the United States. And it might be something about the history of the club. Uh, there's an affinity to that club. or whatever. I mean, we, we've got Portsmouth fans in, in, in Georgia. We've got, I mean, all sorts of fans of different clubs for different reasons. And to me, at the end of the day, if you have a local club, great, but it doesn't mean that you mean you, you ha- that club has to earn earn the right uh, for a fan to feel connected to, the, to that club. And in Miami, just as one example, because we live in this area, is that we've had no major league soccer teams here. I mean, none of these teams come into the area to to, to practice or, or I mean, play games or to, to try to attract an audience. Um, and yes, there are local clubs in, in kind of lower division soccer here. Um, but that doesn't mean that fans would have to gravitate to those teams, and that's the only teams that they can support. And and to me, Real Madrid has done, as as you mean, done the miles. And uh, just as one example, I mean, maybe that's a, probably a b- bad example because they're a big club. But they've done the miles. They've they've come to this this area, trying to attract fans. And I'm sure they've attracted a ton of fans that but, but, weren't but, into them before. My actual point is. How fair is it if you're a Hirona fan in Hirona, a, a club that was in the lower divisions for years, okay, and it's a Catalan club and they have a very – they have a, a smallish supporter space. But how fair is it to then say, well, we're going to take your match? So imagine it's your major league soccer club in Miami and suddenly a home match is moved to Tokyo because um, that sort of thing actually has been happening in college football uh, where team matches are moved to Dublin or, or, or to, uh, uh, to other places. And I guess it's now happening in the NFL with London. Uh, how do you feel about that? If one of your matches, and it's it's not your match against um, against New England, it's your match against Atlanta or Seattle. The one time you get to see Seattle a year is moved to Tokyo. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, but in the in the Girona example, I mean, they're getting the clubs get millions of dollars for this game uh, that that they can take take and reinvest that in I mean, new players. Well, new, I, new I get all that. But the fans themselves, so that 1,500 fans are going to be getting free transportation, free flights from Girona to Miami to watch the game f- uh, for free. So so to me, as a club, if a club says, okay, we're going to do it, and the supporters say, okay, free flight to Miami in, in January when it's freezing in Spain, yeah, yeah we'll go, we'll, we'll check it out. There might be some, but I think they would still, um, the still, you're taking the fundamental experience of a home match against the biggest club in their region, um, and really the club that exemplifies Catalonia, and you're moving it to a foreign country. That's that's the issue. We're talking about supporters versus television, supporters versus money, and money and television are winning out. I'm not I'm not naive to this. The, 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 these sorts of matches are going to happen, uh, and we're probably going to have a World Cup or some sort of international event every two years. To go back to that news item, but I don't think it's good for the fundamental uh, spirit of the sport. And I'm sorry, uh, people in the United States. You you know, these clubs are not your clubs. They belong to the communities they're from. You can support them, but they're not your clubs. Yeah, I, I disagree there too, Carter. I don't think that from in, in the old days. Yeah, definitely. But clubs. I mean, Manchester City is a global club. It's yes, they have roots in Manchester City. They have, they have the history in Manchester. 
but to me that that's such a global club that I mean players from around the world fans from around the world millions of fans I mean there's more fans more Manchester City fans outside of England than there are in in England and and to me it's a global club it, it's it's yes they play their games in Manchester um, and they have the history in Manchester and they've invested in Manchester but that that that's their only connection to Manchester the rest of the world are you I mean attracted to that club for for many different reasons Correct, but PSG and, and Manchester City have been bought by essentially nation states as propaganda arms for those countries. That's where we've gone. And again, I, I'm not saying that it's gonna it's gonna end and we need to put a stop to it. Well, we do, we should have put a stop to it, but we didn't. So it is what it is. But those clubs are still their supporters. The people who spend the most money on them, the people who go to the matches, are still locally based supporters. And I think there's a tendency in the United States to forget that. All right. Well, congratulations to Ritik for opening up a, a can of worms here. But it's good, though, too. And like I said before, too, in terms of some of our best content recently have come from you, the listeners, uh, to go ahead and, and kind of share your vo- viewpoints and we get to express ours, too. So uh, let's move on to just two more items from uh, the listeners. First up is Anthony Bello. He says, hi, guys. I have a couple of topics I want to bring up. First, the MLS playoff, I believe going to one match instead of two legs is a lot better for the league. One-offs provide more drama and they, pre- they would prevent a situation where one team wins the, f- the first leg big time and then the second leg is going to, be bad, going to get bad ratings. Also, I know this has nothing to do with soccer, but did you see all of the problems that Bleacher Report had with the Tiger Woods-Phil Mickelson match, a golf match? Um, between the problems with this and the problems with the Champions League, I was wondering what you guys thought about uh, Bleach Report and um, the problems with streaming. Or are we still at the point where big events on streaming only are going to jam up systems? And and to me, Kartik, on this one, um, we, we've experienced this, I think, through every streaming platform, whether it's Sling TV, Fubo, Fox Soccer tv fox soccer match pass i i mean i think i think they've all had an issue where they've had some big event and it crashes so yeah. that that's that's not new i think that's um and espn plus is probably one of the few that have ha- not had any of these issues but um it's one of those things that it, it happens it's it's le- learning curves um so that's a shame hopefully it won't happen again but um but yeah, so uh, th- th- that's my take on it. Hopefully, again, when they have some big event like this, um, I mean, they'll be better prepared and, and mistakes like this won't happen again. Yeah, the thing that we learned with the Fubo crash during, I think it was Copa America in 2016, and then uh, Sling had something similar happen. And, and uh, NBC Sports Gold, the first time they had a, a Spurs match or a United match, it was, a, it, was a, it was the first time they had a big club on gold is that you never were quite prepared for the eventuality of having a, a high volume of users. So I guess Bleacher Report, this, they, they had spent months uh, preparing for this, this match, selling it, but maybe they just didn't have the bandwidth. Um, now, there were problems with the pay-per-view broadcast as well that was shown over the air on television. I don't know if that was related to the same thing. I, I guess it was, yeah. but uh, that's unfortunate. Really quickly, Anthony, on the, on the single leg versus two legs i'm i'm torn on this because i like the two leg ties but the thing that's happened in mls is more often than not because of the parity in the league largely enforced parity by league rules you are seeing the team that gets the first leg win the tie 
Uh, and that's the, that, that's the team which had less points in the regular season. You're seeing that more often than you should um, in in the league. And what we we had not this season because I think the matches were pretty poor. Um, the the uh, the play in round, if you want to call it that, the three versus six and the four versus fives. But what we've had in past years is those matches have tended to be more dramatic and more exciting because they're one off matches and they're at the venue of the team that did have the better regular season record. So um, I. I I'm going to wait and see and see if this works. Um, I don't know that it's uh, it's going to work, but based on some of our experiences, it, it probably will be an improvement. All right. Matt uh, says uh, th- this is the last comment and he says this is in regards to last week's discussion that I think Kartik, you and I had an argument about uh, uh, MLS and uh, the Premier League and, and kind of the, the playing levels. But Matt says, um, wow, just listening to the most recent pod, Kartik was pretty much intolerable at the beginning. Many of the best and, or better Premier League players are actually English. The problem is that the best MLS players aren't American. His lack of correlation was just baffling. Yeah, I uh, now they are English, but there was an era in the mid 2000s when the league was at its highest point, at its apex, where outside of Gerard and Lampard, and I, and I think Paul Scholes was to me always, uh, to me maybe the best player in the league, he, him and Ryan Giggs. But um, Scholes, for whatever reason, uh, had retired from the England squad in in 2004, 2005 after the Euro 2004. There wasn't the the best, the guys who were making the biggest impact in the Premier League in the era where the Premier League was far and away the best league in the world, which I don't believe it is now, uh, were largely your foreign players who were playing at your top four uh, clubs. And even when you look at some of the the traditional uh, English clubs, uh, like the Evertons and the West Hams and Spurs at the time, Spurs weren't a, a, a contender for Champions League at the time, they were bringing in a lot of good foreign players. Their better players tended to be foreign players. Now, if we're talking about 20 if we're talking about the direct correlation now in 2018, uh, yeah, 2018, the best, pl- the some of the best players in the in the Premier League are English. I mean, I I would argue Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling are t- maybe the two best attacking players in the league right now, uh, or two of the top three or four attacking players. So Aiden Hazard is obviously on that list, but. Um, I'm talking about the era between 2005 and 2010, which was really the era of Premier League supremacy uh, internationally. If you look back at that era of the top 20 or 25 players in the league, maybe three or four of them were English. And that's the situation we have in Major League Soccer. The top 25 players in Major League Soccer right now, I'd say one of them is American. And that player is probably moving to Leipzig uh, in January. So that's what I was trying to make argue. I'm not trying to argue the Premier League now versus MLS now. Premier League has done a great job. The eight, uh, the eight out of uh, – the rule where you have to have eight homegrown players has worked. Um, and if they bump it up to 12 or 13, which the FA might force on the Premier League, it's going to work even better. It might hurt the overall competitiveness of the league in Europe. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will. Uh, but I think it'll help the English uh, na- the English national team and by extension, the Welsh national team also because they're part of that homegrown requirement. All right, listeners, if you have any questions for us, any feedback, any rants or raves, uh, if you agree with us, disagree with us, uh, or need some advice on streaming or watching television, etc., let us know. We, you can always reach us through email at uh, web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. So, guys, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and worldsoccertalk.com. 
If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. In Kartik, heading into another big uh, club soccer weekend with MLS playoffs, uh, Premier League matches. You got the, the, the derbies on Sunday. You got three derbies back to back to back, uh, plus much, much more. What should they do? Enjoy your football.